to Hanging in the Nest with your host, Josh DeHawk Alonzo and Max the Turkey Rubenstein. Welcome to another edition of Hanging in the Nest. I'm your host, Josh the Hawk Alonso. Alongside with me, as always, is Max the Turkey Rubenstein. Max, before I let you jump in, though, I got a big announcement to make here on the podcast. The Hawk is an uncle. Wow. My uh, little niece is born March 6th. Her name is Lily, my older brother and his fiance. Uh, sorry, his wife, my apologies, uh, his wife um, had a real baby girl. So really exciting for my family, introducing uh, a new family member into the world here. So, well, Congratulations to that. Uh, happy you. to hear that. I think the real question that we want to know is, what kind of uncle are you going to be? I'm going to be that cool uncle, of course. You know, not really following the rules, giving her whatever she needs or wants. You know, I'm going to be the cool uncle. So at like 15, she's going to want an alcoholic beverage. You're all about it. No, well, come on, bro. I wanted to see the level of funness that Josh Alonzo has. I'll keep my level of funness to myself and my niece. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll handle that on the side. Because you, not, I don't know if people know this, but you have another brother as well. So there is a little bit of competition going on. Uh, I'm concerned. I'm hoping you can uh, become the best uncle. I mean, and I, we had I have oh, a sister, and sister so, as well. And, oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, it, it's a battle. Competition's all over the place. It's going to be a big battle, but I'm looking forward to it. So, well, congrats to you guys. Thank, thank you. What, uh, what bird fact you got for us this week, Max? Well, we're going to talk about that little canary, and if I remember correctly, I think you told me that your brother is already calling them a nickname, the canary. You know, that's what uh, that's what she wants to be. But the canary. <laughs> were used by coal miners back in the day to detect this poisonous gas levels of carbon monoxide. So what would happen is the miners would see the canary down there, and if this canary were to pass out, you know, maybe even worse, die, they realize they're in danger too. Okay, so there's that phrase, canary in the coal mine. This is where it comes from. Wow. One, never heard that phrase before. Neither have I. Not, not a coal miner, but interesting that they were willing to sacrifice canaries for their own safety. So whatever well, works, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, whatever works. Whatever works. I like it, though. Good birds back. Good birds back. Well, we got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to talk about baseball, getting into the outfielders. We have a good top 10 list at the end of the show. But as always, we'll start off with some news. The News Corner. Let's start with hockey, Max. What do you got for us today in the world of hockey? I have a lot of good stuff, actually, which is awesome because it doesn't usually start good. COVID list down to a season low. I think last checked, only three people are on that list. Nice. Uh, Sidney Crosby was on the list, but he was quickly cleared because they're doing a lot of just if you come in any kind of close contact, you have to, you know, do the contact tracing, make sure you're all good, and then you could enter the lineup pretty much as soon as that's 
in. So Crosby was in it for two days, maybe a day, and then he is back off of it, which is a nice. good thing. Uh, we have – actually, now that I'm looking at my list, it goes downhill real quick. So the Flames fired their coach even, oh, even though they got a win. So they fired him after a win, which is always kind of weird, very rare. But, you know, it, it was just – it was not working. So uh, Jeff Ward is out. They hired Daryl Sitter, who has been a coach for a long time. He's a veteran at coaching. He's, you know, very good at it. So they're hoping that works and kind of turns them around. Nico Heeshire, captain of the Devils, was out to start the year. Played a couple games. He's back out. He got hit uh, in, a, in the face, I think, with a nasty check. Ouch. Got a concussion, broke his nose, so he's done for a little bit. And then I have some Washington news besides that. Alexander Ovechkin did something not nice. He speared another player. Do you know what spearing is, Josh? I mean, I am a wrestling fan, so is it that kind of spearing? Like a if, if that happened on the hockey uh, rink, that would be a big issue. Uh, when I hear spearing, so, that's what I think. What is spearing in hockey, Max? You take your stick, and you go between the legs, and you go up. Ooh, okay. So not cool. Other people say it's kind of like exactly what it sounds like as well. You spear, you kind of give somebody a little shot in the gut with your stick. Not a good yep. thing, but he was no. fined 5000 which is the highest you can get fined um, for those two incidents. And then his teammate, uh, Wilson, uh, for the Caps, was suspended seven games. He is going to be forfeiting over $300,000 for these seven games. He hit uh, Bruins forward Brandon Carlisle pretty much right into the boards. Nasty boarding penalty. Uh, This is the fifth time that he's been suspended in his short NHL career. One time for two games, one time for four games, one time for three games. Got suspended for 20, but it was reduced to 14. And then on this one, which he is not appealing, is another seven games. So not great there. Uh, No. Yeah. So that's what's happening for the uh, Capitals right now. Okay. So moving on, let's talk about some NBA. Now, there's not a lot of news, Josh, but we do have the NBA All-Star Game this weekend. Yeah, so I don't know your take is on All-Star Games in general, but for me, they're a joke. Why do we do this? It's not entertaining for fans, and most of the players don't even want to do it. And the NBA goes beyond just having a game. They do these different contests. So there's the skills contest, three-point and dunk contest. Before the game, that was adjusted because of COVID, which is fine. There was a skills competition, which Sabonis won from the Pacers. Steph Curry won the three-point contest, absolutely crushing it. He beat Mike Conley in the finals. He did did well. And then Anthony Simmons from Portland won the dunk contest. The three people in the dunk contest, basically, if you're not a basketball fan, you wouldn't know them. Wait, there were three people? Yeah. That's it? Yeah, three people. I think they, like, purposely pushed down a little. But no one does it. No one wants to do this thing. It's become a joke. The top athletes never do it anymore. Long are the day gone are the days where Michael Jordan and Vince Carter and these guys actually participated right. in the dunk contest. That level of player isn't there. I would take Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine again. Those were great. Mm-hmm. But the All-Star Weekend is just a joke. LeBron's team beat Durant's team 170 to 150. No one plays any defense. You have Dame Lillard and Steph Curry literally taking half-court shots. They're making them, by they're the way. They're making them. Don't, don't forget ma- about that. They are making those shots. But, like, what's the point of this? You know, Giannis Antetokounmpo got the MVP. Great for him. It means absolutely nothing. And it's a shame when you actually see in the game people like LeBron going up for a pretty sick under-the-net dunk that he's on in the dunk contest. So it's like, what are we doing here? And it's the same person who complained, why are we even doing it? 
So it's like I look at this and just say the players, if someone like LeBron James doesn't want to do it, who is the probably the de facto leader of the NBA, why are we doing it? It's such a money grab. But fun fact, at the same time of the NBA uh, All-Star game was going on, the Meghan Markle and Harry uh, Prince Harry interview was going on. The ad cost for the Oprah interview with Meghan and Harry was double of the NBA. Double the NBA. So I'm very curious to see what the viewers were between the two. But when the NBA is losing out to an interview with Harry, Meghan, and the Oprah, for ad cost, something is wrong. I'll get off my high horse now about the uh, All-Star game. It's a joke. I hate it. Other NBA news, Blake Griffin was bought out of his contract and has sided with the Brooklyn Nets. They're Nets have everybody a, right now. They're, they're getting everybody. If they don't win the championship, they should be ashamed of themselves. There's no wow. reason they should win. They should be ashamed of themselves. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin. They had DeAndre Bort, Jordan getting rebounds, a decent bench. They should be a title-winning title team and should be ashamed of themselves if they lose. Okay. Yeah, your all-star take is uh, pretty interesting. We all know about the NFL Pro Bowl. Uh, I will say I do like the MLB All-Star game because I love the home run derby and I love the I, young the Youngs game. Yeah, but I, didn't the MLB change their – the game it means something. It's home field advantage for the World Series team. Did they so change to that or did they change away from that? I don't know. I thought they changed to that. Maybe they switched it since, but it might have been there's something there to play for. But still, even that, do you really deserve that? That an all-star game is the, the deciding factor between home and away? I don't think no. so. And, I, and that's why I'm saying I don't think they're doing that anymore. Okay. But the home run derby I do love. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so much fun. But the home run derby, unlike the NBA dunk contest, has some of the top players in it. Fair. That's fair. But, you know, what are we going to do? Let's stick with uh, some baseball. Josh, yes, big news out of baseball this week. Yeah, so a couple of signings. Jake Od- Odorizzi goes to Houston on a two-year deal, but a knocked out after one. Same kind of scenario with Jackie Bradley Jr. going from Boston to the Brewers. It's a $24 million deal, but he can opt out after the first season. Jose Alvarez signs with the Giants, bullpen addition there. And Aaron Boone had a successful heart surgery as he got his pacemaker up to uh, – you know, updated basically. So right. definitely good for him. Yes. That older Rizzi signing is huge. And, you know, we Super were kind of talking about it before. I mean, he came in, you know, good, you know, good money there, but he makes his team, you know, much better because they just, they did lose two guys. They had a, their young prospect, Forrest Wheatley, most likely is going to need Tommy John surgery. And then their other starter who came out last year, who was solid, uh, Framir Valdez broke his finger. And I'm thinking a finger's not that big of a deal, but when you pitch, pretty important you have all your fingers working. He yep, is going to miss. So. He is going to miss. I don't know if he's going to miss the whole season, but if he has surgery, he's going to be out for I'd say a couple months, if not more. So yeah, it's definitely this a good is what these guys there. are waiting for. What? Someone like Odorizzi was waiting for something like this to happen. Someone to get hurt. You know, yes. the MLB and how they've been signing free agents has shifted. I would say over the last couple of seasons, where you do see players signing a little bit later kind of waiting for that opportunity to open up. So this was one of those scenarios. So good for Rizzi to get paid there. Okay. And then I have some COVID news I want to bring up. Uh, they are they are bringing back in-game video. You know, they had the whole thing with COVID and then with the Astro scandal and all that stuff. But they are bringing it back this year. And a lot of players have said that they really missed it last year. 
So hopefully numbers for those players who maybe struggled go back up. We have MLB is delaying the AAA season because of COVID, probably about a month. Um, but those players who start in AAA are probably going to have a alternate site like they did normally. And then the last one, if you heard this, I don't know if you did, there were two Indian players who actually broke protocol and they're obviously not supposed to do this. All they did was they went out to dinner and they ate inside, which is apparently against MLB protocol. They should know that. I think it's a crazy rule to say, but I do agree with them trying to be as careful as possible. And one of those Indians players was Jose Ramirez. So a big name uh, that they kind of avoided any kind of issues because they are at the moment negative and they didn't infect anyone else. So yeah, the other guy was Camilla Reyes, who's a big power hitter. The only thing I do want to add to what you were saying about the minor leagues, some people think it's actually better for the minor leaguers is they get to start a whole month later than they normally would with better weather and the season will continue into September. So it's a better situation for an MLB player if you're a younger player because you get better weather. Some people think that that could end up changing the way they do the minor league season and starting it later anyway, allowing these guys to kind of keep training on an alternate site for that first month maybe ebb and flow guys in and out of the lineup, you know, on the major league level and then headed to the minor league season. So interesting to see what they do there. It's not bad. And then save the best for last, some NFL NFL. Josh, what do you got for us? Well, so I'll tell you that the franchise tag deadline is tomorrow. So the teams have to get that in. It's going to be interesting. You have a lot of big name players, Dak Prescott, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Aaron Jones, and we're going to talk about these guys in our top 10 list towards the end of the show here about where we think these guys end up. But the franchise tag is going to be big. I think the place to look out for most is Tampa. So Tampa, they've reported out that Tom Brady is, is looking to restructure his deal to actually extend his deal and then keep playing. But they have Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett are the two main targets for the franchise tag for that team. Only one can get the franchise tag, meaning they're going to be letting somebody else potentially walk or have to compete in free agency to get them. Very curious to see what they do. People think they're dying, you know, to get both back. Obviously, Godwin is a big fan of Tom Brady's a big fan of Godwin. Jack Barrett's a huge part of that defense. They need both of those guys. Going to be interesting, especially with the salary cap being what it is, how they make that all work. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm very, very interested to see what's going to happen. With a lot of those names, Dak, Dak, Dak Prescott especially. I know you're a big Cowboys fan. We'll see what happens there. Uh, yep. Other news, just of note, Kyle Rudolph was released, released from the Vikings. Golden Tate was released from the Giants. And then the Lions signed Tyra Williams, who was released by the Raiders earlier uh, this offseason. Yeah, and the Williams trade, uh, signing is big for the Lions as Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., and Dalian Amendola are all free agents. They basically have no wide receivers on that roster currently. Quintez Cephas, I think, is the main guy left. So signing Williams is a good veteran move. It'll be interesting what some of these veterans do, though, with Rudolph, Tate. You know, we saw David Johnson restructure his deal so he could stay in Houston. You know, there's not money out there. So do these guys take a short-term deal for like a season or two in the hopes that the cap goes up and go back in free agency and maybe try to play on a discount? and try to go to a championship-winning team and try to get a quick ring. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch as the NFL offseason kicks off. One other thing I want to mention, Zach Ertz could be on the move this week. That is a key name that has come up. They have Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia. They also have a ton of cap issues. He's about a worth almost just just shy of $9 million. 
So Zach Ertz could be on the move. Look out for that. A lot of teams need a tight end, so that could be a big pickup for somebody. Very interesting there. You know, I just – Zach Ertz is good. I know people have been talking about a decline, but I think any team who needs a tight end will take – I think any team besides, I'm thinking, the Chiefs and the 49ers need a tight end that they would not take uh, Zach Ertz for. So Yeah, I, I, think... I, I put uh, – I put... The Raiders, they were Darren. Oh, yeah, with Darren Waller. Come on, your boy, Darren Waller, yeah, the baller. Waller, the baller. How could I forget yeah. about him? Yeah, big mistake there, Max. All right, moving on, though. Behind the line. Let's talk pickups and bets this week. Now, there are no pickups for the NBA, so I'm going to throw a curveball out here. Whoa. We are a week or so away from March Madness really kicking off. So I'm going to go with a college bet. Now I'm going to throw this out there as we posted these bets on Twitter. I got some feedback. A friend of mine who I'll call Stephen the Rat Friedman, okay, gave us a hard time saying, have you even watched some of these games? The answer, folks, is no. I have not watched all these teams play college. Haven't seen Hofstra, Hofstra play, Cleveland State. Haven't seen them play. But I'm betting on them anyway, so this is a bet at your own risk. But I'm taking St. Mary's with 17.5 points over Gonzaga. Gonzaga's like the best team in the nation, but 17.5 points is way too much to pass up on. That's a lot. I'm going with Hofstra, Cleveland State, and BYU, who I've seen play once in a parlay. Those three teams' money line. So Hofstra, Cleveland State, BYU money line with St. Mary's plus 17.5 over Gonzaga. Give me those four teams. Steven, ride or die, baby. Just go for it. Excellent. Not bad. I don't want to put you on the spot. Can you tell me where BYU is? Oh, my God. I should know this. Utah? I don't know. I was just hoping you would know. <laughs> I know where Cleveland State is, but that's about it. Is Cleveland State in Cleveland? Is that what you're thinking there, Max? I'm really, I'm really going to hope it is, and they're not going to try to pull, like, a Kansas City on me or anything like that. Yeah, um, BYU but- in Utah. I was correct. Great job there. We that should one. all know where Cleveland State is. St. Mary's, I think, is west, if I'm not mistaken, if they play, you know, if they have to play with Gonzaga. I don't right, know. If, that way. I don't know if California would work, but there's only so many states out there, and California's the biggest. So let's hope for the best there. So as you're trying to tell me where St. Mary's is, because I do see you working vigorously trying to figure that out. Um, let's get into some of my hockey parlay had a pretty good weekend missed a couple but last week i did hit one for uh, a solid bet so i'm happy to do that let's talk about it i got a four pack for you josh did you figure out where they are pulling that up now okay so i got a four pack for you i got vegas money line over the minnesota wild i got the oilers minus 1.5 over the senators i got st louis money line over san jose and I have Colorado money line over Arizona. Okay. And I just want to kind of quickly go into those Vegas six game win streak. Uh, they have Mark Andre Fleury, who is absolutely killing it. He's 12 and three this year with a one six goals against average. That is phenomenal. So, yeah, give me Vegas over Minnesota. Oilers are not bad, but the Senators are absolutely the worst team in the NHL. They have their last four. Head-to-head matchups, the Oilers have won them all. So I would say give me the Oilers minus 1.5. They've been a little off these last uh, few games, 
So let's see if they can get it back on track against a team that they should definitely beat. So next one, St. Louis over San Jose. St. Louis has lost the last three games, and they've also lost five of the last six. I'm sorry, San Jose has lost the three games and five of six. And they're giving up a ton of goals, and the Blues are 10-2 and two on the road. So give me the Blues. And then last one, Colorado is 2-0 against Arizona this year. They are 7-1 in games following a loss, which they did lose their last game. And they have outscored Arizona 9-4 in both those games. So give me Colorado over Arizona as well. Uh, just also, Josh, where is St. Mary's? California. California. Yeah. Ah, there we go. <laughs> we definitely had it right. I knew it. Yeah. I definitely knew that. Uh, so if you don't get a chance to get these games in on Thursday, I got a couple more, another four pack for you. I'm just going to go through them quick. Pens and Buffalo hit the over there. Caps and Flyers over lightning 1.5 over Detroit. And then the Islanders 1.5 over the devils. Now pickups this week. I got some great names. A lot Josh, you've actually sniped a couple of them in your league that you're in. Great job there, but I'm still going to talk about them because they are, Big, big names. Yes, please. First one was Alex Touch, or Took, I think his name is. Uh, he is on Vegas. He has eight goals in his last seven games. He's Russian. on a four-game goal streak, and he's got 19 points overall. He's a left-wing, right-winger. He's a great pickup, so great job there. And the other one that you picked up is Kasperi Kapanen on Pittsburgh, left-wing, right-winger. Winger. He had five points in January and February, so 10 points altogether. But since March, uh, since March, or I'm sorry, in March, he has three goals, six points in those four games already, and he is on a great, uh, great start. So hopefully he keeps that going. The next one I have is the one you picked up, Ricard Raquel on Anaheim. He's a left winger, right winger, nine points in the last five games. So he is really picking it up, 16 points overall. So he is absolutely killing it. And then the last one I have is, Carolina winger Martin Nisak, who's on a four-point streak with seven points in those four games. He's a former first-round pick. He's only 22 years old, and he looks like he's starting to get it going. So pick up those guys, Alex Tuch, Casper Kapanen, Martin Nisak, and Ricard Raquel. I also just want to add real quick that I'm in fifth place currently in the Hockey League, feeling pretty good about that. I'm not too far behind you. I had a rough start, but I'm starting to pick it up. Yeah, listen, my team, I've actually been missing some of my top players for the last couple of weeks here. It's been a little frustrating as uh, Cal Marker, Maker, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Nathan McKinnon and uh, Colton Parecchio, two defensemen, you know, have been down for me. So that's been tough. Nathan McKinnon, obviously, from Colorado. Just I've been down some guys, and I'm still hanging in there. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, hey. Still a lot of season left, and I think six make it, so you got a real good shot. Yes, sir. So. Court is in session. All right. So we are now going to be continuing with our big debate for fantasy baseball. We are going to hit outfielders. We are only doing outfielders on the show this week because it is such a big position. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you our top players, got some busts and sleepers for you. So, Josh, why don't you give us uh, some top five? Give us some things you got. So top five I'm looking at, 
pretty standard guys. Most people would agree. The order, of course, is up for debate. But I broke the top five out into two tiers, Tier 1A and Tier 1B. The Tier 1A for me is Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna Jr. I don't care which one you like better. That's dealer's choice. Why I like them in that top tier, the capability of 30 and 30, potentially 40 and 30, is just there for these guys. They steal a lot of bases. They get home runs. They're in good lineups, so they're a lot of opportunity to produce RBIs. Really like these guys. Acuna is only 23 years old. I mean, this, the sky is the it's limit insane. for this kid. It's insane how good he is. Tier 1B, and we'll dive in this a little bit more as, as you give me yours as well, I have Juan Soto, Mike Trout, and Yelich, Christian Yelich. Yelich is coming off a terrible 2020. And I know so we have to be careful about looking at 2020, but his was abysmal. Makes me a little bit nervous. The reason that Soto and Trout are down here is they don't steal bases. So I think I give the edge to Betts and Acuna for that reason because they steal bases. Soto and Trout, though, tons of power, can hit for average. Really like both of them quite a bit. I think Juan Soto is only going to improve as he goes along in his career. But again, no stolen bases. Yelich can steal bases. In 2019, he went 44 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and 329 career average. A lot of talent there. So those are my top five bets. I just want to kind of hit you with some knowledge here. Juan Soto is a year, has only been drinking legally for about a year. Uh, Juan Soto is 22 years old, and the things he can do is absolutely amazing. Now, I do agree he is not in that top tier. I have Acuna and Betts as well above him, but I think Acuna is far and away the best. I think he is in a category by himself because while Betts does get steals, I think Acuna can get more because he also, you know, he leads off, like you said, one, you know, he is just 23, but I think Acuna is the top pick in all of baseball. Okay. We've done all our, our, our positions, but I think Acuna should be the number one pick in all baseball drafts. This guy can get you 35 home runs, 30 stolen bases. I mean, he is what you call a five category guy. I yep. like bets as well. But I got to be honest, I, I could be biased. I really like Juan Soto. Okay. He he walks. I mean, his his plate vision is phenomenal. You know, his walk rate going into last year was 16% he walks, which is amazing. But he increased that to 20% last year. Okay. His Ks were down. He hit 351. And I know we talk about short sample size, but eventually, you know, that starts going away. 351 is nothing to laugh about, even in 60 games. So I really do like Juan Soto. The other two who are the elder statesmen, both of them are 29 years old. You know, like you said, Trout, he's great. I'm not saying he's not. But when you're looking for a top pick, you need a guy who can get everything. And Trout just does not run as much as he does. But I will say, I'm not upset if I get him. You know, I'll I'll deal with a great four-category guy there. I think any of these guys, just to be clear, if you get any of these guys in the top five, you're in a good position. So, um, sorry. Not actually in the top five. Well, maybe in the, in the top, top five. Outfielders. I, I would yeah. say Acuna, Betts, Soto, and Trout are probably in the top ten. Yelich maybe towards the end of the first round, early second yeah, round. I would agree. But yep. I, I do think those top four can definitely be, you know, top eight picks. Yeah, for me, for me, if I have the third pick, though, and Acuna and Betts are off the board, I would take Fernando Tatis over Juan Soto. I, I agree with you. That I, I love Juan fair. Soto. I just think the stolen dates thing puts him just a tier down right now. 
And sure. because of how baseball works with or how most leagues work in categories, stone base is one of them. And if you have no stone bases, it just hurts him ever so slightly. And that's why I kind of have him in tier one B, but he's a top five pick without question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The so, only thing, the last thing I wanted to add on Christian Yelich, you talked about before, he had probably the worst 2020 of any player that was had a great 2019. He hit 205. And the thing brutal. that changed, and I, I looked at his stats, he didn't swing the bat. Like, he just did not swing. He took a lot of pitches, and because of that not aggressive, you know, style, he let a lot of pitches go. He got deep into counts, and it really hurt him, which is why his batting average was so, so low. But this is a guy easily can get back up to 35 home runs without, you know, even thinking about it. I think the Brewers are going to be pretty good this year. So, yeah, I think let Yelich is a fine pick, even though he had a shitty – or a bad 2020. All right, Max. So looking on, though, tier two here, what, what's like the next group of couple guys that you think would be on these top five? you have a list of those? I have some, but I'm kind of worried about them. Like I okay. have um, – we'll talk about them a little bit later, hint, hint. But I, I really – you know, in this next category, Ilio Jimenez is here on the White Sox. You got Charlie Black- Blackman as well. Nick Cassianos is there as well. And there are guys who could be good, but they are not, you know, those top positions. Yeah, so I, have a, that's... I have a couple other guys, you know, based on how their current ADP is trending in that next tier that I think could be decent, though. Mm-hmm. So I look at it as a tier two, not necessarily bust or sleepers, just, you know, these are still early round picks. You have Bryce Harper's out there, Whit Mayerfield, Kyle Tucker, and Marcelo Zuna. Bellinger has first and outfields. We've talked about Cody Bellinger yeah. previously. Mm-hmm. I think these guys have enough, whereas you're getting into it a little bit, into the second, third, fourth round. You mentioned Jimenez. His buddy in center field, Luis Roberts, is out there. Yeah. There's some talent, but there is question marks here for sure. Personally, the guy I like a lot this year is Whit Merrifield. He's an underrated talent to begin with, but he's a 2020 guy in an offense that I think is vastly improved. Mm -hmm. So now he has people around him. So his current ADP right now, I'm pulling up here, is 43. So if you're in a 12-team league, you're looking at a fourth-round pick who can also have infield eligibility at second base. I think that's a decent pick in that fourth round because of his ability to steal bases and hit home runs. He's had some inconsistent years for sure, but I feel like they finally have put a better lineup around him. So I do like Whit Merrifield a lot in that next kind of grouping of outfielders that are out there. Fair. Okay. So let's talk about some sleepers. You know, this, these are the guys way down this list who we think could be some good finds later on in drafts. Yep. Uh, Josh, give me a couple that you got. So the first one I got is Clint Frazier. I'm a Yankee fan. So he's sitting at 178 with ADP, which is solid. He'll finally get playing time, though. That's the key thing here. And we'll talk about in bust in a minute about some other Yankees in the outfield. But it's an outfield that is prone to injury, that is a bit older. And when he played last season, he actually played quite well. There's some defensive issues that people have concerns with. But guess what? In fantasy, we don't worry about that. I don't care if he drops the ball in the outfield. His bat's got to be in the lineup. They're not going to be starting Gardner consistently. Stan's got to play DH. I like Clint Frazier a lot. 
The other guy I really like uh, a bounce back potential here. Benatendi. So Andrew Benatendi again with the Royals. So another Royals player, man. We're big on the Royals this year. Definitely on the Royals. He's sitting at 224. That's a great ADP for a guy who in 2018 was 20 and 20. If he can get back to anywhere near that level of ability, getting him that late in the draft is going to be a steal. Absolute steal. So I like him a lot. The last guy I have, I have a few other guys, but I'll let you go next. Look out for Trey Mancini. So Trey Mancini coming off the colon cancer. Great that he's healthy. The year, he didn't play last year. He's sitting at 165 ADP. He's a sub 300, so 290-ish batting average, 35 home runs in 2019. A lot of power. He's going to be the heart of that Orioles lineup, which I know isn't that great, but he's a good outfielder who's late in the draft that could really provide some value for you. All right. So I want to start with one of my sleepers as Trey Mancini's teammate. I can't believe we're talking about Baltimore so much. But Baltimore has some quietly has some pretty good guys. I don't think they're going to compete or anything like that, but they have some players that can definitely do some damage. I'm going to start with Anthony Santander. He had a slug of 476 in 2019 because he had 20 home runs in those 93 games that he played. And he followed it up with a better slug in 2020, 575. Granted, small sample size, like we always say, but 11 home runs in 37 games. This guy can easily get 30 home runs. He's going to hit in the middle of that lineup. He'll throw in a stolen base here or there. But I really like Anthony Santander. I don't know if you can get him free, but he is deep down in those drafts, and he can give you a good source of power uh, as well. To give you you some perspective on that, he's sitting at 149 right now um, in his ADP, which is a solid one for sure. Other guys around there that – you might think about would be like an Ian Happ is in that range, Max mm-hmm. Kepler, Victor Robles. So there's some talent there, but yeah, Santander is a good pick for sure. All right. I got another one. I love this guy because you know what they say, chicks dig the long ball. I would love it. I don't know why he's kind of being overlooked, probably because he can't hit at all except home runs. Give me Joey Gallo way late. I think he's going probably close to there actually around there. Uh, He's not going to get you batting. Yeah, so he's not going to get you a lot of batting average, but this guy is going to hit you a ton of power. He was not good in 2020, but let's not forget in 2019, we're talking about no batting average. He actually hit 253, which you can definitely deal with if he's going to put up these home runs. I mean, he is, this is someone you can get, you know, like you said, in the 100s, that's going to get you close to 35, 40 home runs. I mean, that's the potential that this guy has. Okay, he plays in a good field for that. If he can hit 20-20, I mean, I'm sorry, if he can hit 220 and get those home runs, then he is somebody you can definitely deal with. You'll have to balance it out with somebody who can get you average, but Joey Gallo's legit power. And the last guy I wanted to talk about, and I'm pretty sure now, this is a guy you can get very late. Nobody's talking about him because he sat out 2020. I think he had six at-bats or six games. Uh, Lorenzo Cain on the Brewers. I know they signed Jackie Bradley Jr., but Lorenzo Cain can seriously run. He's going to throw in a couple home runs. He'll probably be about 10 home runs, give or take, but he'll get you stolen bases. He'll hit you a good average. Most likely he's going to hit atop the Brewers lineup. Okay, so if that lineup is better, if Christian Yelich is better, he'll get the runs going as well. So, yeah, give me some Lorenzo Cain uh, there. And because – you brought up, you know, your Yankee player. 
I'm going to bring up a Met player, Brandon Nimmo. So late in drafts, this guy just hits the ball and gets on base. He'll throw you a couple home runs and throw stolen bases, but he'll have a good on-base percentage. He'll have a good average, and he's going to lead the league in smiling because this guy, all he does is smile. Okay, so give me him uh, as another sleeper out there. Solid. Well, Max, I think I'm going to go a different direction on you here. Okay. Joey Gallo is on my bus list. Whoa. Interesting. So, let me Let's tell talk you. about it. Let's start right there. Why? So, a couple of reasons you started with. One, his average sucks. The year he came back a year where he only played 70 games the year he hit 253. So, it's not a full sample size. So, I don't know how he would have finished that, that whole season out, right? He only played 70 games. He doesn't actually get a lot of RBIs. So in the two years he had over 40 home runs, he only had 80 and 92 RBIs, which would seem like a good amount. But when you hit 40, half of that is a solo shot, basically. So Well, that was a bad team around him. But he still doesn't have a great team around him. So he's not – if you're hitting 40 home runs and don't have over 100 RBIs, I struggle with – there's a miss there. may not be his fault, but there's a miss. He strikes out a ton. His on-base percentage is inconsistent, right? It's been anywhere from 333 to 312 to 301. He's, he doesn't walk enough. Doesn't walk enough. He's gotten better. But if you're looking, and here's why I think he's a bust, is about who's around him in the draft. So another sleeper candidate that I didn't bring up is Ramon Lariano of the Oakland A's. So this is a guy who had a down season, for sure. He only batted 213. He had six home runs, two stolen bases. The year prior, though, in 123 games, he had 24 home runs, 13 stolen bases. He batted 288 with 67 RBIs in the leadoff position. He hasn't been in the league long. I just think it was a weird year. But I prefer to take a risk on someone like Ramon Lariano, who gives me more categories in the out, you know, as an outfielder, where home runs, I can you can find guys like Joey Gallo later in the draft. For sure. I look at guys like I just talked about Clinton Frazier. He may not hit 40, but he can hit 20 something and he's going to bat more than 205. So I just think there's a huge risk with Joey Gallo and all he's giving me is home runs. So where he sits, I, I would I would ride Joey Gallo. I, we're going to have to make a bet on this guy right now because that's what I'm thinking right now. OK, I'm down. I mean, other guys well, around there. Reese Hoskins is down there. Josh Bell, who I like, Yasmani Gridal. He and Brian Hayes, good young rookie, his ADP and the players surrounding him just feels like a place where I'd rather take a risk. I'm taking a risk on a Joey Gallo and hitting his 40 home runs and batting below 250 or a young upside player that hits more categories. I'll take the young upside player that covers more of the categories than just home runs. Okay. We'll have to see what happens. We're going to have to make a bet on that one. We'll discuss that off air. But – what are some other busts that you have? Talking Yankees. I'm talking Aaron Judge and, and Stanton here. Judge, in the past four years, three four, four, four years ago, 50 games missed. The year after that, 60 games missed, and he missed half the year last year. So where he's going at 52 ADP, you're looking at a fourth-round pick for a guy that might miss half the season or a third of his games. Doesn't stay on the field. You can also say the same thing about Giancarlo Stanton. He hits the heck out of the ball. I mean, he crushes it. But, again, if I look at the people around him in the draft, he's an injury-prone injury prone guy. Yon Mankata sitting there, the White Sox, I'd happily take him. Max Reed, the Braves' top starter, is also there. 
So if I'm looking at Gene Carlos Stanton, I'd rather take one of these sleepers that are going 40 to 50 picks later than him and get someone like Yon Mancata in my infield instead. The other guy I'm looking at, you brought up earlier, which I'm sure you might touch on too, is Elio Jimenez. I think his ADP is a bit high. I think he's a talented player. He doesn't steal a lot of bases either. So where he's surrounded by, I'd rather take the George Springer, a Sterling Marte, or I'd even take Lewis Roberts. I think they are a little bit more consistent, have shown better with his uh, with their batting, and Jimenez strikes out a lot. Yes. So it makes me nervous. He's a high strikeout guy. So Ilio Jimenez makes me a bit nervous, so he's on my bus list this year. Not because I don't think he'll have a good year, but because his ADP is too high. I definitely agree there. He is on my list of bus. He does not walk. He strikes out a lot, does not steal. So you're really relying on him having to hit. And right. if he does not hit, then you're not, you know, you're, you're out of luck there. He does hit the ball hard. So you will see some home runs, but you know, if we want to talk about a guy who can't hit and hit home runs, let's go see Joey Gallo, you know, a bunch of picks later. Well, right. In that scenario, if you're looking at it between those two guys, yes, I would take Joey Gallo over Jimenez because Jimenez is going in the 30s and Gallo is going in somewhere in the hundreds. Like it's it doesn't make any sense to me. And they are very similar. Jimenez may hit of a slightly better average. Maybe. All right. So I got a couple more. I want to talk about one. He is it's him and and him and Trevor Story in, in Colorado. Charlie Blackman is still being drafted relatively high. You know, I'm, I'm not sure what we're seeing. I think we're looking at name and what he did a few years ago, but he does not steal anymore. His home runs have been dropping. The lineup is a big issue there in Colorado. And we always have to talk about those home road splits with anybody on Colorado. I am a little bit worried about Charlie Blackman. I, I just don't know. I think this is – we're starting to see the end for uh, Charlie Blackman. I would say I think so, Blackman, he had 32 home runs in 2019, 314 average. He's an average guy, right? He's going to hit for a good average for you. But I think, again, you have to look at ADP, which I think where you're going mainly. The outfielders around him, Michael Conforto, Trent Grisham, you mentioned Nick Castellanos, Austin yeah. Meadows. There's yeah. guys that have a little bit more upside than Blackman, who's older in his career, doesn't have the same protection, to your point. So I agree. I think Blackman is fine. He, to me, is like a third or fourth outfielder, but he's being drafted as like a second outfielder, which yeah, is too high there. for him. You know what I mean? I think that's the difference that we're seeing, is that he's just a little too high up the leaderboards. Um, I think he's ranked 18th in the outfield. So if 12 yeah, in the league, too high. it's too high. It's 18th outfielder in the league. Again, I, I, I give me Trent Grisham. I think he's a real good talent out in San Diego with that lineup. You know, I'd rather have him over Blackman. And just two more I wanted to talk about. Byron Buxton. Mm, Everybody's talking. He has so much potential. It's always there, but he has not been able to put it together. He's been hurt every year. They do say they're freak injuries, so, you know, whatever. But it still has been happened, and he still just hasn't been able to put it together. This could be the year, and I could really, you know, eat my words after no. this. But I need to see it before I, I, before I even take a chance on him. So but there is one, my Byron He's on yeah. my do not draft list. I wouldn't draft Buxton. Yeah, Too I much agree. And then one more last one, Teoscar Hernandez on Toronto. Mm. Yep. This is someone that kind of broke out a little bit in 2019. But if you kind of look at those underlining numbers, it, it wasn't 
as good as people think. He strikes out 30% of the time. That's insane. He walks only 6% of the time. So this is a guy who strikes out a lot, who does not walk. And again, he's another person. He has to hit home runs or he's not going to help you. Okay. His contact rate is very low and he swings at outside pitches way too much. Okay. So if they want to continue this breakout that Teoscar Hernandez has, he's got to really show me that he can not strike out as much, get that contact rate a little bit higher, and maybe he'll be somebody I'll consider. But right now, where he's being drafted, I think he's in the 70s if I or 80s, if I remember correctly. That's way too high for someone like that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's my uh, bust. I have another one, Austin Meadows, but I'm a little hesitant about making him a bust at the moment. Yeah, he's so. borderline. Again, I, and I think – the key thing to, out there to everybody is sometimes a bust may be more about ADP and less about the talent of the player and the stats they put up. Agreed. Depends how things fall in the draft and types of position you go. If you go heavy outfielder, you have one of those first picks, you go outfielder, and then you get into rounds two, three, four, five, where guys like Meadows could go, Hernandez is going, it may be better off to take that middle infielder that you didn't take in that early round. So I think it just depends on how things work. Okay. Fair. So we'll do a preview of starting pitchers next week to wrap out, round out the baseball series. It's going to be exciting. I think starting pitchers is like my favorite. I'm always wondering how people like feel about it and stuff like that. So it's going to be very interesting. Going to be good. The top 10. All right, folks, we know what time it is. It's top 10 time. Going to round out the show with another top 10. We're doing NFL free agents. So it's NFL free agents this year. Our top 10 guys out there available. Max and I definitely have some different lists going here. It's going to be an interesting offseason. We've talked all along about the salary cap. It's a huge decrease. It could go up, right? It's, most people think it will go up. So we should go up in the following year. But that plays into this year and how contracts are structured. So, Max, give me six through ten on your list. Who's your bottom free agents? So, my top ten from ten through six, that's the order I'm going to go in. Hunter Henry, tight end, is number ten. I'm going Trent Williams, number nine. Number eight is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. Number seven is Leonard Williams. And then number six is Kenny Galladay. These are the guys who I think are going to have great. uh, They're going to just have a lot of options out there. And I think these are going to be the top six of the top 10, or I'm sorry, six of 10, my top 10 free agents. All right. Josh, what about yourself? I'm looking at Brandon Sharif at number 10, Washington football team guard, super, super talented, never ranked lower than 12 at the guard position. He's been, it was top three last year. Hunter Henry at nine. I have Aaron Jones at eight. Super solid, super efficient, 30 touchdowns over the last two years. Anthony Harris, this is going to be an underrated sleeper here. He's a good safety out in Minnesota. People are like, oh, Minnesota, they stink. His grade outs were fantastic. He's one player off 11. He can't make up for the whole defense, but he actually graded out very well. And then my number six is also Kenny Galladay. I think he's a beast. Really, really hope that they, the Lions don't franchise tag him. I want to see him somewhere else. Yeah. And we will, after we're done with this, 
kind of talk about where we think players are going to go. I tried to be more creative and I didn't want them to be like, oh, they're going to go back to the team they're on. I tried to get a little more creative with that. Uh, so, Josh, five through one, what do you got? Number five, I'm going Allen Robinson. Number four, I'm going Leonard Williams, who I know you had a little lower on the list. I did. His last season was insane. You look at his numbers and how he improved. He had 11 and a half sacks, 14 tackles for loss on top of that. That's huge. And from yes. his previous numbers, it's just much improved. He's only 27. I really like him. Chris Godwin, I have at three. Trent Williams, I have two. You have him much lower. I do. Left tackles, to me, are the most underrated position. He had a phenomenal year. People keep looking at what he did prior with the whole Washington football team and how things went awry. He had a Pro Bowl caliber season. He graded as one of the highest tackles in the league. He's too good of a talent, and you see someone like Russell Wilson complaining about the O-line. This is why he's so high on my list. I have two O-linemen on this list. You know, I mentioned Sharif earlier. O-line's key. Number one for me as a Dallas Cowboys fan, but just also because I think he is the best guy out there. I'm going Dak Prescott, number one, 28 years old, super, super talented. Cowboys were nothing without him basically last year. They weren't much with him either, I guess, but still, it's just uh, Dak's too talented not to be number one on this list for me. So just list your top five again real quick. Allen Robinson, Leonard Williams, Chris Godwin, Trent Williams, and Dak Prescott. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So my top five, um, Aaron Jones, you talked about him before. I think someone's going to get a steal there. Number four, Allen Robinson. Number three, Dak Prescott. Number two, Shaq Barrett on Tampa Bay. And I'm also ending with another Tampa Bay. Number one, Chris Godwin. I love this guy so much. So just looking at these names, the reason I have Trent Williams higher on my list. Lower. Is because he's 30. I'm sorry, lower on my list. Is because he's 32. You know, I, I get it. He had a great year. He stayed healthy. He took over for Joe Staley. And I do think he did have a great year, like you said. But I'm just a little worried about, you know, he's 32. Football is not a, an easy sport to play. So, yes, I think he'll be great. I think it depends. I'm going to put a little caveat. It depends on the contract. If he's getting a five-year deal, that's insane. But if he can get a two-year, three-year deal, you know, maybe that'll be a, you know, a good move. I'm less concerned on because I looked at Andrew Whitworth, who was – in St. Well, sorry, Los Angeles now, the Rams. Yeah. He played to like he's been playing to like 38 at a very high level. I think Trent Williams also had a year off. So the whole yep. year to you and know because he sat out and didn't want to play for that team. So right, you know so that's why I'm up there. I agree. You don't want too long of a contract. It's a little bit of a risk. He is the oldest guy on my list here for sure, but yeah. I do like him. All right. So let's talk a little bit, Max, about where they're going. Yes. So this was actually a lot of fun. And like I said. I tried not to be, you know, boring and say, oh, they're going to go back to their own team. Some of those I had to do, but I tried to get as creative as I possibly could. So I figure what we could do is here, um, we have a few different people, so I'll try to call out the people on your list that I don't have and vice versa where we think sure. we're going to go. Yep. So let's just start. We both have Chris Godwin high on the list. Where do you have Chris Godwin going? So he's the one. I can't believe you started with him, but, yes, he's going back to the Bucks. Yeah. I, sure. I don't know if he's going to be franchise tagged or if they're going to make long-term deal with him, but I do think there's no way they can let Chris Godwin go. So I think he will be franchise tag is my guess, unless it's happening as we're on the podcast yeah, right. and we're following. But I think it's there because I think Shaq Barrett, as good as he is, there are going to be enough defensive players that are older that are willing to come to Tampa to try to win a title, to play right. with Tom Brady, 
and Tom Brady, no less, who's taking a pay cut, right? So Godwin, he's going to go into that front office, Tom Brady, and say, I need Chris Godwin. Of course. He tries to tag this guy. So I I agree. I think that's the one where I really, really think he's staying. Mm, I, I definitely agree there. All right. We talked about Trent Williams. Let's look at Trent Williams. What are your thoughts about him and where he goes? Well, you brought it up. He would look really awesome in Seattle Green, and he would yeah. literally, he would literally make the Russell Wilson. I mean, this is what he wants. He needs an offensive line. Right. You talk about him, he will help Russell Wilson stay upright. The only other one I talked about, possibly with the Cowboys. I know they had some issues because they were, you know, pass rush. They were rushing the, you know, put eight guys in the box. But I think because Dak Prescott's coming off an injury, let's protect him as much as we can. Let's see what Trent Williams can do. Yeah, so I don't see the Cowboys only because the reason that they were so bad is that whole offensive line was hurt all last season. They don't. Okay. They don't have the cap space for Trent Williams. Yeah, I I don't, this is this is a supreme. No, no, I like fantasy moves. Yeah, yeah, and and I wouldn't mind Trent Williams. I actually wholeheartedly agree with you, though. I think Seattle is the place. It would be so good. I think he'll end up probably re-signing with the Niners, truthfully, but I really do think Seattle is the right move. He gives Russell Wilson what he wants. That team is a playoff team almost every season, super talented. I don't really think Russ wants out of town. I think Russ really wants some attention. And so sign a big guy like this, make a good pick in the draft. I think Russ will be fine, and this team will be back in the playoffs without much of an issue. All right, so let's get some fun ones going. Let's go Allen Robinson. Was he on your list? He was on my list. Yeah, I had him at number five. Okay, he's on four for me. So right around the same. I have the Miami Dolphins as the, the spot for Allen Robinson. He's not going back to Chicago. I don't see them using the franchise tax to be too much money. The Dolphins I actually have on this list a few times, so we'll get into that in a minute. They have a ton of money. They do. Devonta Parker needs another guy out there. They have Mike Kaziki. I think two is going to be their guy. I don't think the Deshaun Watson thing is going to happen. Even if Deshaun happened, it would make it even better for him. But I think what will help too a lot is another guy that is an elite receiver. I think Parker's very good. I think Allen Robinson's even better. Give me Allen Robinson in Miami on like a four-year deal. Let this be that foundation. He's 27. You have enough talent. And I'll talk about another another offensive weapon as we get to him that I think will be a good fit here as well. So I'm going Allen Robinson to Miami. Now I'm going at another East team there. Not the Jets. Thought about it a lot. Sure, you but wanted let's it. Go to the Patriots. Wow! Literally, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick were embarrassed. They let Tom Brady go. He wins the Super Bowl. They have to make a big splash. What better way to do it than start making that franchise face, Allen Robinson? Like you said, twenty-seven years old. This is a guy who can literally change an offense. Okay, now don't get me wrong. Patriots have plenty of holes. But if you want to start changing the mindset of the Patriots or, you know, this idea now they're done, let's get the one of the best free agents, wide receivers out there and have them sign in Foxborough. So that's where I'm going. Patriots would be pretty interesting. Would hate it, but that would be pretty interesting. All right. What do you got? Who do you got next? So let's go. Why don't we talk about Aaron Jones? We talked. I know we there, he's both on our list. You had him a little bit. Uh, I think you had him at eight. I am at five. I'm going here with the Dolphins, actually. So now again, let me preface this by saying I'm pretty sure he's going to go back to the Packers. 
because I don't know if A.J. Dillon is ready to handle a full load. Uh, Williams is also a free agent. So I think Packers, again, let's keep Aaron Rodgers happy. They got to make sure they keep their offensive weapons. But if he does not, let him go to the Dolphins. They need that big run game. Aaron Jones would be a solid big man, a solid running back to have in that backfield in Miami. So I agree. I think he goes to Miami. I don't think he goes back to the Packers. Two reasons. There is A.J. Dillon, who may not be ready, but Jamal Williams will be the cheaper of the two options because Aaron Jones is going to cost so much. And instead of paying Aaron Jones, the running back, where I think Williams and Dillon could do the job, they're going to go out and pay someone like Will Fuller, who we haven't mentioned, to be another receiver. So I think they're going to go the receiver route in the offseason instead of the running back route. Running backs, risky as you overpay them. The Dolphins just have the money. I do think it's the right fit. You put Aaron Jones, and in my example, you have Allen Robinson, surrounded with Tua, Kaziki and Devonta Parker, Preston Williams in the slot. The Dolphins are a legit contender. You know, they were pushing on, on the, the, the heels of, of the Bills this year. They're going to be there even more so with these kind of signings next year. That's fair. All right, we both have him. Let's get him out of the way. Dak Prescott, is he staying in Dallas? So the answer, I think, is yes for this season, as they will franchise tag him, and that'll be it. Which, is, okay. which will be disappointing because Dak will walk for nothing. If you're Dak Prescott, there's no incentive to sign here at this point. They've jerked you around too much. Jerry Jones, I think, screwed this one up. He had an opportunity to sign him two years ago. Did, didn't work Probably out. for cheaper, no less, also. Yeah, he kind of blew that one for sure. Dak's going to get a franchise tag. The most ever on a franchise tag will happen with Dak Prescott. It's like $38 million or something like that. Yeah. Why would you not take that for one season? He's not even fully recovered from his injury yet. It's $38 million, and then you get to go pick the team you want. Now, the Cowboys could try to trade him. I don't know if anyone would actually do anything for that or what they'd really get for him. But I do think he does stay this season and then ends up going somewhere else the following year. Okay, fair. All right, let's go through these a little bit quicker. Let's talk about Kenny Galladay, Babytron, as I, uh, I like to call him. Where do you have Kenny Galladay going? Oakland Raiders. They're interesting. Okay. They're desperate need of receiver. He's huge. He goes really well with Henry Ruggs, who's super fast. Waller and Galladay in the red zone. That would make it a really good offense. I I think uh, our friend Zach Reese, who, who's a big listener out there, would love his Raiders to get Kenny Galladay. So I like, I'm going Galladay to the Raiders. Well, you're a nice person, but you're dead wrong. Kenny Galladay will be suiting up in jet green when the 2021 season starts. The Jets need a wide receiver. I passed on Allen Robinson. I think he might be very pricey. Kenny Dalladay, definitely not going to be as expensive. Let's put all our money in this guy. I'm looking at drafts that the Jets are doing. It doesn't seem like they're going to take a wide receiver early. So let's get your wide receiver in free agency with the money that you got. Give me Kenny Dalladay. See, I have the great on the outside. I have the Jets going a different way at receiver. I didn't put him in my top 10, but you did. Juju Schmidt-Schuster, that's where the Jets are going to get their receiver. Interesting. That's my guess there. I do think the Jets should still trade out of that second pick, get more picks, and then they could do more in the draft with some of those other players. But regardless, I think Juju goes to the Jets. Where do you have him going? So I have him actually at the Washington football team. I think, you know, they need to get, you know, they want to get somebody. Now that I'm thinking about it, actually, I don't know if that's going to be a great fit since Washington has a lot of other outside issues. But if Juju can shape up, get his act together, you know, him and McLaurin on the outside, or if they put Juju in the slot, 
I mean, that would be, I mean, an amazing one-two punch right there. Juju surprisingly had a good year. You know, it was very quiet. Yep. But he actually put up good numbers. He had 97 receptions. Uh, what do we have? He had nine touchdowns. I mean, that's nothing to uh, to laugh about. I mean, he actually put up quietly a pretty good season. So, yeah, I think Juju would be nice in Washington. I think Washington definitely got the receiver. I like Corey Davis for them. I think that's a good fit. But a lot of different receivers out there, so that's going to be interesting. All right, let's do rapid fire here. Hunter Henry, where is he going? Buffalo. They need a tight end. So I actually have Buffalo there. The other team to look out for, Jacksonville, because they're going to overpay for him because they can overpay for him. Get a big receiver, you know, receiving tight end for Trevor Lawrence and rebuild in Jacksonville. I agree. I think Buffalo would be a great fit, but can they afford him? It's going to be the big question. Um, but God, Buffalo would just be, it'd be stupid. Wouldn't that be crazy? Oh my yeah. God. They'd have a great offense also. Um, All right. Who else you got on your list that we haven't talked about? So Brandon Sharif, I'll just do real fast. I think he resigns with yeah. Washington. The other guy that we both had in our list was Leonard Williams. Where does he go? So I have Leonard Williams also with the Seahawks trying to get that defensive name back together. Like you said, Leonard Williams had such a great year. He changed positions and it led to 11 and a half sacks. Leonard Williams in Seahawk in Seahawk Green would look great. I'm going. He also wants to win. Like he's been in New York teams and they haven't done anything. Let him win in Seattle. I think he's going to win in Miami. It's my third guy, my last guy going to wow. Miami. Wow, Miami's just throwing money away. They have it to throw away. They cut Kyle Van Noy, and now they have Leonard Williams that can come in, do a great job on that defensive line, place for a player's coach in Brian Flores, who's a defensive guy. Leonard Williams goes to Miami. You had Shaq Barrett. What about him? Where's he yeah. going? So I realized, did you not have Shaq Barrett? I had him as 11 on my list. I ended up putting wow. Shaq Barrett over him. Be, I think he's going to be great, but he is going to go. This might be a little surprise, but he's going to go to the Bengals. Wow. Okay, I, surprise. I, the only reason I'm picking that because back in 2019, when he was a free agent, the Bengals were right there with him. He was like their second choice. They were very big on him. I think this time they get the job done. I'm going Jets. Ooh, Jack for the Jets. He gets a new, new coach in Robert Sala that is a defensive guy. I think he fits great in there. They're, they also have a ton of money, so they can pay him the way he wants to get paid. It's not, you know, he just won a title, so now he can go get paid. So I'd like Shaq Barrett. That's right. our I think that's everybody. Yeah, yeah, I think we got it. That's our top 10, folks. We will keep you updated. Well, actually, I wrote down where we said we'll update people as the free agency starts and let's we'll see how well we did. Max, before we let everybody go, we have a trivia question for everybody. What is that? Yes, trivia question, football-related. Uh, buddy of ours, John Scott, sent it in. So I was like, all right, let's get it out there. Let's see what people know. There is one NFL franchise in the NFL that has never, never had a 4,000-yard passer. Who is that franchise? So that's the question. I will post it on Twitter as well. If you know it, please send it to us. Give it a shot. See who we know. We'll go over it at the beginning of the show next year. Next week, not next year. Next week, not year. Jeez. Yeah. We'll, we'll be back next week. Don't, don't listen to Max, everybody. Well, for Max and myself, we thank you, as always, for listening on Mondays. We love doing this. Keep listening. Keep sending feedback. We'll talk to you.